Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Only General Podcast, the show where we spend time with some of Trinidad and Tobago's most talented musicians. Today's guest, Donnie Batu, is young, driven, and absolutely passionate about his craft. At 18 years of age, he's already spent numerous hours on stage and in the studio, trying everything from learning new instruments to recording. His band, Beyond the Animus, just released their first EP, The Fallacy of Sickness, produced by him at his home. This is the first time we've got mobile for a conversation, so let's get to it. Welcome back to the Only General Podcast, everybody. Um, with me today, I have my good friend, Donnie Batu. And unlike my other episodes, we are coming live from his studio, Andromeda Studios. That's it, right? Yeah, Andromeda. Andromeda Studios, which is located in the heart of Trinidad and Tobago. Chase Village, official. Yeah, St. Mary's, central C- area. Central. So, apparently, right now, Only General's on tour, everybody. We're getting big. In the words of in the words of Beyond the Animus, we out there. We out here. We out there. <laughs> so, Donnie, um, the people who don't know you, any local scene, how old are you, son? Uh, well, as of now, 2019, I'm 18. 18 years. Yeah. Age. So, there's, they have some of you out there who are listening right now who are probably wondering why I have somebody so young on podcast i'm probably wondering how come somebody who's 18 years of age plays and, and what would you classify what genre of music you guys play um in bta yes well i would classify us as like um where we generally started off as that core that was like very um heavy death metal with like core breakdowns and stuff like that but as the years go on we had we brought the progressive elements and melodic so i would say we're like progressive or melodic that core okay because we still have the roots of our original sound now some of my past guests have brought you up as probably the future of local rock and metal and stuff like that uh at the age of 18 tell you right now when i was 18 and playing stuff like that i probably didn't know fuck all compared to the stuff that you are doing right now because in this studio you have electronic drums you're tracking albums you're recording bands here yeah and you have a mind that's set for full-blown recording how did you get into the idea that i can buy a laptop and basically record music from the comfort of my home at such a young age well basically i basically go into recording like around the same time i started playing guitar so when I was learning to play guitar, I was based, um, learning information about what I wanted to do and stuff like that. Then I found Spectre Sound Studios, um, Glenn Fricker. Glenn? Yeah. Fucking Glenn? Yeah, out of everybody. But Continue, yeah. So I then I got tutorials and stuff like that. I saw he's using Reaper. So I was like, cool. Um, and I use Reaper, yeah, by the way. Reaper is life. And so like he's, Reaper is free. Unless all the time, unless you want to pay for it for like a commercial or stuff like that, you can play for a personal use for fifty dollars. Yeah, which is monetize us Reaper, please, because I pay for my Reaper. No comments about mine, but yeah, continue. So, so and then 
I recorded. I basically got some like jump tracks off of YouTube and stuff like that. I didn't, but at the time I was using like my Bosch DT10, okay, which, what I don't longer have, and I basically used a USB to the laptop and recorded tones on there, which mm-hmm. is very trash, no mids at all. Well, yeah, you're learning. I mean, but still, it's such a drastic contrast to when I started because I started playing guitar in the mid mid 90s and if you wanted to record you really couldn't use a computer you had basically like all ADAT systems and you didn't really have multi-tracks unless you had plenty money and the digital revolution has really made things a lot more affordable and a lot more easier with the freedom of information and stuff like that so basically you're like youtube generation in print because if I needed to know something, like as Scott Homer said on a few episodes ago, if he wanted to learn a riff, he would go to a show, watch men like Nigel play it, and then go home and try and copy it himself. We had to download guitar tabs from like Olga.net and get these printouts, and you didn't have MP3s then. So if you didn't have the CD and you didn't couldn't remember how that song went, you're kind of shit out of luck. Now you can basically you learn how to start a studio from a YouTube channel, and I find that freaking incredible. And, and from what I knew, like, the tabs weren't accurate back oh God, in the no. days at all. No, the, I, I have some very, very shit tabs from back in the days. Like, and then you try to play along the CD, and you're like, these things are off. And it just just wasn't wasn't the same. So my condolences, what the word is, condolences. Condolences. Yes. Oh, no. The, you see, that's, that's, we got, we had, we had to learn the hard way. And it, it was a school of hard knocks in that regard. And... Getting shows and forming a band and stuff like that. Pre-band field era. Another guest from way back when, episode two, Dexter talked about how his webpage created that community. And now, like, you have come in 2019 as having a the age of accessibility. And it's pretty incredible to see how far we've come. Now, how long have you been playing guitar for? That's the next question. Um, I have, as a, I started playing playing guitar in 2015. Like around April, because I originally wanted to learn drums, um, because of I I got into Slipknot, and Joey Jordison was like my favorite drummer. I wanted to play like Joey, yeah, and I didn't have access to the drums, so I had like um what a five liter um bottle keg of water, yeah, yeah, empty yeah. one, blue water, gallon yeah, bottles, yeah. So I had I had that. I had a mic stand. I put that water bottle over it. So uh, that's my snare. I had a bucket and I had a kick pedal. So I used to, and I used to take like pots and pans and stuff like that to be symbols and I end up annoying my family and stuff like that. So, and then why I wanted to learn play guitar is because Darren Malakian from System Down. Okay. Some, uh, sorry. Quality guitars. Yeah. From seeing playing live, I was like, I want to do that. Seeing how his antics are, I was like, I legit want to do that with, with my life. I want to be a guitarist. So I had access to a guitar, a, a no-name brand acoustic nylon string. So I was just We've jamming. We've all been there. Uh, it, it sucks, but it was it was working for the time. So I was just jamming out to my room in my mirror, playing like Chop Suey and Dare Dance and stuff like that with no strap. It's going at it. Just going mirror. at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I played an acoustic for some years. I hand me down from my mom. And then I didn't get an electric guitar until Christmas. Actually, it didn't take long for me to get my electric guitar. It took like two months. I got... Uh, wow, s- have times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> I got a Squire Strat. Nice. So, and I had a Fender Mustang amp. And that, that, that was a good start off. 
And like, then I learned of playing some like Metallica stuff. First actual song I, I learned throughout is one from Metallica. Even like the Kurt Hammett Souls and stuff like that. Very good. It's a good that's a good that's a good platform to start because it really does give because I've always been wondering, because there's such a huge generational gap between my generation and this current generation now, and I always wonder like what was the stuff to get people interested in like hard rock and metal because now unless you're like deep into like the musician thing with youtube and following those personalities when you turn on your radio it's a lot of like poppy not really guitar driven music um i find it hard for like you know i think that's probably part of the reason why a lot of young people don't really pick up instruments because it's not the forefront of music because you mentioned bands like slipknot Metallica system of a down that's like you know heavy guitar driven rock music and then like you don't really hear that on the radio here nowadays do you I mean like when last have you heard a system of a down track like driving in your car like probably with micro or on station that's the only that's the only way yeah Mikey still plays that so how was it like as a teenager in school and learning these things and following this like what was it like in those days because i don't think the masses were really into that in that time well i'm still a teenager and uh, i'm not too long from school so that was recent so when i was um on that stage in the stage of that i was learning the guitar and in that that genre music which the majority of the country is like dancehall soca and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. so so by default i got ridiculed I got nicknames like Satan Worshipper, Devil's um, Son, and thing. I, and I used to take it as a compliment, like, word, yeah, for sure. I don't mind. Now, now you just push, you now you just wave the metal as fuck, man, even harder than anybody yeah, else because yeah. everybody's already cabled. You have, like, you know. Yeah. Because why, why make your, why just deny all the stuff? Oh, my bad. That make noise. That's all so, right. Don't worry. So, so, I, so I just made them feel bad by agreeing with it. Like, yeah, yeah, you worship Satan, like, for sure. I don't, but like, who are you to know? I, I if that's what you think, well, yeah, I worship Satan every day. He'll stay, he'll stay yeah. He'll stand. He'll stand. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, pick up Misha. <laughs> so, question though. Um, so you jump basically straight from learning and into a band because BTA Beyond the Animus, your basic personal project and band that most people know you from, yeah, is fairly established in the in regards that you guys have done some fairly big shows you have an ep that's around the corner yes you've released singles and you guys get booked you get gigs at that you know as a fairly young guy a fairly young age how does that like how did that whole situation come from like being in school and clearly not being part of people who support the music you like um, well, how it all started is when I met my bassist, Giovanni. I met him around summertime of 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and we met because of the mutual respect for Slipknot. And he's like, oh, cool. Um, you play guitar? Yeah. And at the time, Giovanni didn't have a bass, but he wanted to play bass. He wanted to learn. Okay. Yeah. So I basically taught him everything at, he knew at the time. So like at the time, he's learning like Seven Nation Army, simple stuff. Yeah. And then when, eventually when he got a bass, every day we we learned together, we learned songs together and we jammed as a unit. And that's why me and Joe are is like such a such there's such a connection between us, no matter what. Yeah. There, there's an understanding 
together and what we want to do. And that all come from the the I know the friendship, the brotherhood between us. Like I knew I knew for four years and I feel like I know him for like a decade. Yeah. And how it started from other than that, we met Brad, our a vocalist, around the same time, but he didn't want to be a part of the band because he thought we were shit and playing like sweet child mine and stuff like that. And then eventually when we sent him our demo, which I recording Reaper, he was like, Yo, this is real good. And then he he joined the band in 2016. And then we changed the name to Be Anonymous. Before that, it was Vices. Okay. Wow, that's very cool. And was the sound always that brutal? Or it, what? Because I listen to you guys and I don't hear no metallic and I don't hear no nah. system of a down. What, the, what happened? How so, did you get to that point? I, um, don't tell me. It's Glenn, you know. No, it's not. It's really not. Um, so how it was at the beginning... We were tuning to half step down, D sharp, E flat, so Slayer tuning. You mean dad tuning? Yeah. So it's standard. We were playing like um like Slayer stuff at the time. 2016, then I gravitated to around death metal. So then I gravitated to D standard. Mm-hmm. And then went a big step, then we tuned to A sharp standard. <laughs> and then that's when the whole sound came in. Because I was at the time. All, all of us were into Carlo Corpse and Suicide Silence and stuff like that. Nice. And that sound shaped what we are at the time. And then as a jam, as a band, we, we got Kesta involved in 2017. And we, we started jamming and we developed our own sound, which is BTN now. So the melodic stuff and the very heavy stuff. Very nice. So how does, like, because I just find it, like, you know, so interesting. And I'm thinking about it, like, how did you because MTV w- wasn't around? How did you discover music? Like I always trying to figure out how could people like discover? Like how did you get about finding System of a Down? How did you find Metallica's one? What made you pick up metal? Well, um, MTV was around for me, but it was playing like rap and stuff, so I wasn't into it. Yeah. So I, um, I I grew up around music in my household, a lot of music, so. I but, can tell. Yeah, a lot. If it if you have you see this room, there's a like legit surrounded by music, records, and stuff like that. But how I I found out about metal, because before I was into Eminem and stuff like that, yeah, gangster rap and stuff, Beastie Boys. Nothing wrong with that. And then like from funny enough, like from Watch Mojo and stuff like that. Funny. Really? Like, those yeah, Watch yeah, Mojo lists yeah, like top ten metal yeah, albums. Top and stuff? ten new metal songs. Chop Suey was the first was number one. I listened to Chop Suey. And then I think Wait and Bleed was one of them too. Yeah, Wait and Bleed's a good track. And then so I was like, cool, this has have enough vibes. So I and I eventually listened to more tracks. I was like, this music is for me. This is the teenage angst I need. It was the expression of what yeah. you wanted to do. All right. Well that's that's real cool. So basically from YouTube was like your gateway drug. So how in a algorithm based society, I always find it hard for us to discover what we really like how do you go about to like challenge yourself to find new sounds i i find new music like not on purpose like if if it's like autoplay is on youtube a band comes on or recommended like if i'm watching slipknot covers or something like that like another band like let's see um there's a, a band off of my head slayer stuff like cool that's real bad that's real dread sorry and <laughs> I would just get into it because it's like the same kind of sound. I love fast stuff at the time. Fast, like, trend picking, Kerry yeah. King solos. Yeah. Like, I, I was into that kind of stuff at the time. 
So that's how I gravitated and found new music. So that's fair. That's so. What about the older heads? Like, because I know you talk to Scott, talk to Karen, you talk to those guys. How has your interaction with the GST boys? Because you've been on mixtape. I first saw you on mixtape volume one, and then you came back from mixtape volume two, and then you did mixtape volume three. You've been on all three of them. How has working with lo- other local musicians who are not your crew help you develop as a musician? It's very exciting, especially um, it's be overwhelming for me. Because I overthink sometimes about music uh-huh. and having to experiment outside the genre I do. But it's the vibe you get from everybody else. And you, you just get energy and it's, the song has come out. And that's be very exciting for me. Like when I did it with first the first volume, volume tape. Volume one, yeah. That, uh, and that was with like Jonathan Booz and stuff like that. And that came, and Paul Amar, big up to Paul. Yep. Paul Paul is Paul is godfather. Uncle Paul is the godfather of tone. If you ever need to know how to dial in an amp, Paul can get it done. Hashtag tongue tone. Tongue tone, that's right. We West we West we out there. <laughs> but how like is what is any piece of advice that Paul has given you? Um is there anything you're willing to share with the people? Yeah, for sure. Um you need meals in your tone. Yeah. Um, uh, this is, this is true story. I'll never forget. I was at a gig and it was a pretty loud venue. I forget what venue it was. And Paul Amar comes up to me. He's like, Hey, you come here, kid. And I was like, Hey, what's up? Puts his hand around my shoulder. He's like, look, this is what you got to do. You got to go on stage, right? You got to look the sound guy in the eye and just turn your amp up three notches louder than you expected at sound check and then let him figure it out. That's and I, that was probably the best advice Paul has ever given me because when you get into that threshold of volume, speaker starts to move and everything. As you recently just found out with your yeah. tube amp love, yes. The minute you turn it up, shit starts to sound good. Shit gets real. Shit gets real. So big up Paul for helping us learn that shit's getting real. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about the recording aspect. So. How were you able to balance developing yourself as a musician, developing yourself as an engineer, and also developing yourself in a band in such a short period of time? Because practically you're telling me that in three years you have been able to put together and help record a five... It's a five-song EP, isn't it? Um, Four-song. Four-song EP. Well, it's still under 45 minutes of music that's going to be up on Spotify on the 14th. For free, too. Yeah. How? How the hell... Does one go from watching Glenn Ficker videos to that point? Funny enough, all those aspects went hand in hand together. So when I was practicing guitar, I used to record myself and and like cool, I have to work on that. Like I have to be on time, play with the metronome all the time, mistakes I make, get better at it. And that's how I got the technique I have on guitar. The the tight rhythm, stuff like that. On the spot, yeah. tight as fuck, get it done. So the mistakes I make, I can always hear it back and improve from there. Wow. Technology. So basically you're a product of really good technology in the sense that you can learn from your mistakes and you can go back and yeah, cut them up. Basically. So are you always still learning or do you ever get to the point where you feel like I don't challenge myself anymore? Um I I think I still challenge myself because I try to learn music outside my my realm. Mm-hmm. So at the time I was trying to learn I can't remember the song, I think it was Frantic Disembowelment from Carmel Corpse. Okay. That's a very technical song. Well, the name itself is very freaking yeah. technical. They say that five times fast. I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even, yeah, yeah, would even try. But okay, that's 
that's really interesting and and that's really cool because one thing i struggle with as a musician especially with me like being a married man working a full-time job trying to balance a band trying trying to balance life on top of that i don't get the time to dedicate that kind of you know when i have to practice i practice with the band when i have to practice on my own i get so distracted trying to prepare for a gig that we have to do like example organizing tones and presets and stuff like that that i don't get the time to invest into my craft how much time do you invest in your craft because it seems to me like when i first saw you play at mixtape volume one and then i see you play now it's like you have done about six laps around yourself in terms of technique. Hmm. Basically, it was all all just um the the help I got from the older heads in the scene. Okay. Uh, advice, especially from Scott. I met Scott very early on in my 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 playing days. Like I met Scott in the black box, I think. Okay. In Port of Spain, they was playing a show. And and we did we had a good conversation about guitars and stuff, tone, what what woods to use, what not to use. And it was very good information for me at fifteen. And yeah. that that helped me pave the way and helped me understand what to do, what not to do. And technique and stuff like that. And so and like right hand picking, how hard to pick. Like like let's like I beat a guitar, basically. Yeah, you have to you have to you have to fight with the let's not really fight. I mean now a modern day instrument like a yeah. PRS is yeah. so easy to play. Mm-hmm. But you get a real instrument like Gibson Les Paul, a telecaster or a Fender Strat, and you have to work with the imperfections of the guitar, and that's what makes those guitars so iconic. Because if you can make it do what you want, you're in control. You know, you don't play itself. Because I was there when I think we had the, the tone shake down. Yes. And um, Scott brought the kank and we were showing you how to dial in. And Scott came up. He's like, when you're palm muting, you have to put, you know, you have to basically use the fleshy part and just get that sound. Um, I like, you know, it's great that the older heads are still, you know, they help you out in that regard. What else have you learned from Scott and following the insert crowns and the other big bands of Trinidad? Oh, then in technique, but let's say band management, an example. Because um, you guys run a tight ship. Um, the band manager aspect of it, I I learned from the guys from Lynchpin. Okay. The the guys from Lynchpin always helped us, even <laughs> when we we now started. Uh huh. And they they helped us a lot, helped us grow as a band. Like Jiggy, Sivan, Aaron, Jared helped us all understand that the even though it's fun and stuff, it's still a business. Okay. Everything has to be done. Like and if it wasn't for that information, we wouldn't be having a, a tight chip at all so what are like some of the things like what are some key pieces of advice they gave you that you translate over into the management of beyond the animals um marketing marketing a band uh merch merchandise um thinking outside trinidad like like doing stuff press and stuff like that and basically promoting a band to get a point that is not oh and bt is a trinidad band bt is an international band okay I like that. I wish more bands would think like that. Um, the image. Let's talk a little bit. You just touched on the image of BTA. Explain to me the new BTA look. Oh, the show no mercy look. The show no mercy. Because it seems like this is the evolution. You have gone from this teenage angst, kind of like we're vexed at everybody, to this very sophisticated 
polished, brutal look with the mask and stuff like that. Explain what is going on in BTA to have you guys all of a sudden, because a band doesn't just come up and change this image yeah. overnight. Explain to the people who are listening, why is BTA wearing masks? Yeah. So we wanted to um, start, try something new for the cycle since we, we are now putting out this EP after the longest while. Yeah. So we wanted to bring out the new look to, to have like a reference for the cycle we're in. Okay. So right as of now, this is the fallacy of sickness cycle. So we're doing um, face mask and all black clothing. So we're going for a modern dystopia look, which is battered and torn. So it's like it went through war, but you're still looking sleek. Okay. So each one of us wears the same mask. Brad has a different mask because he's a singer. She so can't sing with a mask. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, we want to have an image for the music. Okay. So um, let's walk through the EP a little bit. Because when this when this podcast drops, EP would already be out. Yes, it will be out. The name, explain the name Fallacy of Sickness. I've walked through some of your favorite tracks and moments. How did you get to that point? Because um, it's it's brutal. It's, it's, it's very it's brutal. It's heavy. It's not like I think anything Trinidad has seen. It's, I well, think, some of the samples. We'll see. We'll see. You know, like, some of the things that you've played for me, I was here, I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, explain to the people, how did you get to this point? So, the name, The Fallacy of Sickness, that came from our very, our very first demo we put on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That was the very first song we put out. Uh, I can't go into much detail about the name, because Brad wrote the lyrics for that song. But I think it's about, like, uh, the, um, the society. I think, I, think, I think he talked about the Pope in the song. Okay. So, anything to do with that song, that's that's all his mind and information. So, I'll get back to you on that. But some of my favorite songs, I'll say two. There are four songs on this EP. There, there's an intro, which is Damnation. They get into fall, goes to Fallacy, um, Encephalitis, and Internal Rest. So, basically, after the intro, it goes from the evolution, from where the band progressed into a style. So, being Fallacy is the first track. Our second single, Encephalitis. On our most recent um single, Eternal Rest. So the progression and the evolution of BTA. And Damnation is basically um a a Kalu of those three songs. So bringing every element of those three songs into one one song to, to basically set the piece. It's like a minute long. Okay. So how because it seems to me like with most progressive acts, well albums, you have your live set and then you have your album set list how do you translate your vision from the album to your live set so then people who have never heard your album before can see you and then get it because you guys have played some shows recently like you just played alias yeah um that's not really a metal crowd i don't think they have heard bta or anything that heavy before coming out in that regard to me like it seems to me they will be more casual listeners but like bta seems to be more like a core very yeah you know because it's progressive and prog is not for everybody i was very angry too how do you translate the prog experience on an album in a live set well we we more or less played the same songs live um we played some newer stuff from our album like the 12-song album we have coming next year. 
we play those in the, the um, last shows we play. Like, how's one? Like, that's seven minutes long. Like, it's going the dream theater territory of timing. The tool. Yeah. You know, like, it's prog metal. Yes. And basically, it depends on the show. So if it's like we have 30 minutes, we can't play that seven minutes long. Yeah. So we basically um, do it in the heavier stuff. So set the pace faster first. In the middle, middle we have our sample that's very ambient, very melodic. Then we go to more progressive stuff. Then we come out, we end this whole set with a banger, which is Eternal Rest. Yeah, which everybody, every band must have a banger. That's just why, yeah. you know, Tool closes their song, their set sometimes with Anima or Sova and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because you just have to have that single. Now, it's pretty, pretty interesting because if you follow Tool at all, like I do, um, I mean, I just had a podcast with Joe Rogan the other day where he said that part of the reason why they didn't want to put their stuff up on digital platforms like Spotify and stuff, because it wasn't there until about a month ago, was because their albums are supposed to be listened in a certain order. Mm-hmm. Right? You have, like, because it's progressive, it's all... All over the place. Well, it's set in a certain order to tell a story. Right? And, of course, one of the key arguments he got when somebody asked him why your stuff's not on, like... Why don't you have your stuff on digital platforms to stream? Because when you play a live show, you don't play your songs in that order as it appears on the album. And he was just stopped and was like, oh, you have a point because the album experience is always different than the live experience. So with that in mind, now that you guys are looking at releasing probably, a, you said a 12 song album next year. Yeah. 12 songs is probably, if some songs are 7 minutes long, that's probably going to be a well over an hour of music. Most likely, yes. 72 minutes. And it's very, it's very um, diverse in terms of silence because it has some, the basic BTA sound, which is deco, very heavy, very chugs. Yeah. And then it has some songs that's very melodic, very progressive, and like, it's very different but it still sounds like bt if that makes sense so who are you going to market this album to i mean it's kind of a hard question but we all because you don't know what's going to happen in a year but the thing is like you say you're on your band like a business like linchpin who is the ideal target market for the bta honestly it's for everybody because this album has everything in it it has soca beats in it surprisingly it has melodic sections have since so much going on. I think everybody will find something they like in the album. So you guys are pulling elements from the Trinidad vibe. Yeah. The Soka into the death. Death code. It could say death code, yes. That sound, that sound, that sounding pretty bad because I know in my band, we had a shepherd. We try to do that too. We try to bring in a little bit of yeah. this and a little bit of that. But my question is, do you think that the Trinidadian metal enthusiast would like those kind of elements of soca in their music. It depends if the person is open-minded. Because from the people I meet that's not into metal, per se, the, the basic arguments are always noise, so much going on. The person has to be open-minded. How, on a scale to 1 to 10, of 10 being as open-minded as you can be, how would you rate, probably say, let's take example, the Trinidad rock scene in terms of open-mindedness? Huh. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but this seems like one of those questions I have to ask a young fellow like you. Because, I mean, believe it or not, I mean, as much as people don't want to say, you guys are the future 
of the music in Trinidad and Tobago because my asshole, right? I, I push in mid two days and just now I get old enough, I can't carry my amp to gigs anymore, right? You guys fresh, you're young, you're hungry. How would you rate the open minders right now? If you were to give it a score. In, in the rock scene? In the Trinidad, let's take the Trinidad rock and roll scene. The people we see at all the shows that we always go to. I would say a four or five. Four or five. Because um, most of the scene, it, has, it still has the older, older heads that are still stuck in the 80s and into cover bands and stuff like that. No disrespect, but... That's okay. T- My band plays covers yeah. too. None taken. We no, no, come, like... We've yeah. beaten this topic to death on this yeah. podcast. Don't worry. It's all good. Like, because how sometimes we play shows... We play a show in Shugonas one time and had this, like, 80s looking guy with an IMEAN t-shirt. He came up to us and he disrespected our basis by saying how back in our day and stuff like that we didn't wear baggy pants and like r- like racistly call out Gio because he was what well, wasn't like an Indian or something like that yeah he mixes a yeah. lot of stupid bigotry yeah. in Trinidad and I don't pff, really that's a whole topic in itself the man to talk about that is Blinky maybe one day he'll come on here and I'll give him an hour just to talk about that kind of stupid nonsense but I understand exactly what you're coming where you're coming from because I get that blowback too because if we want to, for example, we did a show not too long ago where we did a very heavy metal cover of Mr. Killer's Run With It. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has double kicks because the song essentially is a metal song. If you watch the beat, is a damn metal beat. You could put anything, even though it has a soca snare, you could build a very yeah. strong, and the song is Run With It, it's designed to mash up pits. Once there's double kicks, it's a metal song. Exactly. And the structure too, even the scales and stuff, if you look behind it, the way it sets up, it's all set up in the same pentatonic box so it translates the riffs very well. Right. But when we were doing it, like, we were so scared to play this at certain shows because, like, you play this at a certain venue with a certain crowd, they're going to turn around and stone you and be like, why are you bringing this here? You understand what I'm saying? So... Mm -hmm. Now that you, because I agree with you, I think you gave the scene, the majority, the scene a fairly high score. I would more give them a three or a two in terms of open mindedness because they're kind of stuck in like they like what they like and does that. Yeah. You know, very few people be like, oh, I like this element of this, I like the element of that. How do you want to use your music as a catalyst for change? Wow. Hard hitting questions yeah. to be in general, everybody. We serious. Is he studio? No, is he vibe? Is is he vibe? We yeah, is Al Drama Studios? <laughs> is he for vibe? Sure. Oh, I really don't know how to answer that. <laughs> well, I could tell you. I could give you some advice from somebody who's played shows and played abroad and played in played in different scenes. And I could tell you right now, don't ever and take this as a piece of advice is real important. Don't ever let anybody tell you that your music is not good. All right, this is a quote that I throw around the place all the time. Um, it's from I don't know if you've seen this movie, but all guys like me are familiar with Wayne's World. Yeah, of course, all I right. knew Wayne's World. Well, very good. There's a there's a scene where they're playing hockey outside, and Wayne says, "You know, Led Zeppelin didn't write songs that everybody liked. They left that for the Bee Gees." You know, and basically what he's saying is there are albums that Led Zeppelin albums that everybody loved. Led Zeppelin 1, Led Zeppelin 2. Not so much Led Zeppelin 3, Led Zeppelin 4. But then there are some albums afterwards where people are just like, what the hell are they smoking? Yeah. It's um, a different niche. 
it's a different niche and you have to grow as an artist. And the important artists that have done that, you can see, for example, I don't know if you know, do you know how old James Hetfield was when he recorded Master of Puppets? I think he was the early 20s. Yeah, 21 years of age. Now, put that into perspective. That's three years after he recorded Kill 'em All. So essentially, he recorded Kill 'em All when he was about 17, 18. And that was like 1981. Yeah. And then you fast forward to Black Album. Then you fast forward to Lord, St. Anger, and stuff. And they realize that the trash metal scene is not going to be there forever. Right. So they decided to grow and change with their music. And of course, they had those diehard fans that said, like, this doesn't work out for me. We don't like this. But then with that, they were able to get more mainstream fans. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that I have noticed a lot about the Trinidad scene, this is just me speaking and everybody knows that I don't put water in my words, is the fact that they don't want to grow past 1987. There's the occasional ones that will be like, okay, well, we have some bands from the 90s that are okay, but... You know, if you play Warren's Cherry Pie every night, we're going to be happy. Basically. You know, which was a song that was killed by Nirvana, Smell Like Teen Spirit, by the way. Look it up. That song knocked it off from number one and Warren never had a hit after that. Yes, Chewy, we hear you. Big up Chewy, everybody. Big up Chewy. Chewy jumping in on the podcast. Who is, who's the mascot of BTA, by the way? BTA's mascot is my, my fluffy dog, Chewy. It's very cool. So, how... So you only mentioned three mem four members of the band in BTA, but you guys have five members. Yeah. Um oh yeah. Um Lens. Yeah, Lens. Big up to Lens. Um Lens came in last year. Okay. Uh, so he was a mutual friend of ours. And then we um discovered we had the same taste of music and we we found out later that he could play guitar. I was like, cool, you wanna jam sometime? Like me and him link up, talk about what bands we liked jam some covers and stuff like that and like the connection was there yeah I, I had a good connection for like the jamming so i then i made him me and joe made him buy a seven string a pair of seven string i'm so sorry you could have <laughs> buy Ivan as a seven yeah. string. i then i then he's like cool you're in bt you know i was like what <laughs> that's it yeah that was it i will never forget that gig i did at um god was that place fusion and you guys came in the backstage. I there nerding out on my guitar because I'm there studying the temperature and tune and change. And I had the shack tuna. Yeah. And all there come and we start geeking out over again in the back. Yeah. And the jewel rack and stuff. And I tell you guys, I tell myself, I was like, you know, these kids remind me a lot of me when I was your age. Because when I was young like that, and anytime I saw bands play, I would always try to make chance to tell you. I'll never forget about when I found out how men used to boost their um fifty one fifties with TS nines because that was like a hidden secret that nobody would talk about. But basically, they had a man. I was like, how? Because we had the same amp. I had a fifty one fifty. He had a fifty one fifty, and it was like this was like two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four. I was like, wait for the set to finish. I asked him, I was like, how is your amp cut like that? He's like, you know, I have a tube scream. I was like, yeah, I have a tube scream, but I was a blues pedal. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, watch this. Go behind the amp. It's behind the amp. And he's like, just set it like that. And he'll cut out all the flub. And see, this is pre-YouTube, I was. Yeah. So to learn all these things was from experience. And the fact that you have YouTube plus hands-on experience with everybody here in the scene, 
you're really putting yourself at an advantage in terms of like getting things out there. So now let's talk a little bit about your studio here. You recording bands or you're just doing this for yourself as a project? I I can say I'm recording bands, but I can't say the bands yet. You'll find out soon. You'll find out soon. So if somebody wants to record with Oleo, they ought to do. I'm giving you a free spot to tell everybody how to get they, they can link me up on Facebook, Donnie Batu, and hit me a message. I am very I'm very workable with prices and stuff like that. So hit me up. Yeah, free, free, free. Hey, take that. That's all good. That's in the mix. So how, but apart from watching Glenn and stuff like that, how do you teach yourself? Like, how do you know what sounds good and what sounds bad? At that time, when I was getting into more producing aspect, I was into periphery. And Misha basically taught me everything. Misha and Nolly. And what to look for, what's good, what's bad, and what sounds good, what doesn't work in a mix, what doesn't need to be there in a mix, like in a certain frequency in the guitar, high, high gain, like that 4K whistling frequency, you could cut that off and it would just make everything much better. So it's all YouTube then? Mostly YouTube and, and Misha, my dad. Yep. Nice. Your father, father, man. So, so how, um, so what do you look for in a mix? Do you have any like iconic albums that like, like change your life in terms of, um, um, I can't name one. You can't name one. I'll say three. Um, one is, Hmm, let's see. Periphery, three select difficulty. Two is, let's see, something more. North Lane, Animate. Oh, sorry, shit. Oh, North Lane, Node. North Lane, Node. And three, let's see, Wage War, Deadweight. So in terms of like mixes, that's the kind of sound yeah. you like to hear. Yeah. Like, how did you go about like finding your, because everybody has that like, signature tone they're like sound what do you think your sound as a guitarist is do you have one yet or are you still trying to figure that out i think i'm still trying to figure it out i think i'm in the ballpark of where i want to be but i think i could still do better yeah what's your most brutal guitar tone you think of an artist that you would want to recreate if you had to pick one? Oh man um has to be like pato brian from Candle corpse for sure so you're gonna buy two um two metal zones or Two metal zones, Mesa, and all that stuff. And EMGs, man. Yeah, of course. EMGs, metal zones, and a Mesa. That's all you really need, you know. Wow. Well, that's cool. So, so basically, that's, so you don't ever use reference mixes or anything. Or you just listen to the albums and are like... I use reference mixes sometimes. Like, if I'm trying to get... Like, for my, my personal solo track, Bittersweet, I used, I think, a Born of Osiris track. Because that was kind of vibes. It was for the song. So I kind of use that base point my track in terms of like mastering and what levels everything is because I have synths and stuff like that. Yeah. So and I think I, so I assume you taught yourself how to play the synthesizer as well too. Yeah. All self-taught. Um, how it all started? I I came into because you play synth in BTO. Yes, and that's how how that happens. So I. Um, Sorry, it seems like we're all over the place, you know, but I'm just trying to, like... Just out here because right now, now we're just having this conversation. i just, like, thinking about... Like, I can't wrap my mind around this stuff that, like, you're self-taught and you've only been playing for a short period of time. And you're kind of on a right track and you're heading full speed ahead. You know what I mean? So how did you get into the synthesizer stuff on top of that? Because I tried... I, that not me and that's in thing, horse. Um, I dabbled in since late 2017 with my own tracks, like, with BTS stuff. But that was, that was like 
the stock synth plugins I've gotten, like Reaper and stuff. Some cheap ones that was for free and stuff like that. Nothing wrong with yeah. the free stuff, man. It works. Yeah, man. And so I dabbled in like pads and stuff and, and some BTS stuff early early on. And then that was around the time, 2017, like I found, I started, um went to, went to BTO practice and take them in because that's my boys. I really love the music. And I like Karen. He's a good guy. Karen is my next dad. Yeah, that's well. He well, he is your dad because he uses um precision drive. Oh well, of course, of yes, course, of course. Big up, Karen. Big up to Karen. And so around February or March in 2018, they wanted to like um get a sample pad for like um eight to eight bass drops and stuff like that. Okay. I volunteered just to be backstage with a laptop and just sampling it, like triggering it. And then it was like cool. And then I had ideas for like synths and some songs. I had I woken at home like for deviant and stuff like that and the guys really liked it so they say they say um what what you think you'll be down to play on stage with us with us i was like yeah so that's how you end up on the stage the yeah. cage stage and stuff like that yeah, yeah i'm bad so i i got to play skyrock for the first time with bto nice so the guys got a, a synth a midi synth keyboard and i used that so that was the first time ever i ever played a synth that's and- a pretty big freaking gig for you to test shit out yeah. donnie so I had to like find out from like Buck, big up to Buck and, and stuff like that for like EQ and stuff for eight ways live and like big up Buck, yeah. the Kemper Lord. So I had to learn like um what's how to EQ the sense the eight ways so it don't clip live. Everything one yeah, time, yeah. one go. And how was that as an experience playing synth as opposed to playing guitar? That was very exciting because no normally when you're playing guitar, yeah, you have to focus and say, oh, I'll play this right, right, cool and stuff like that. I could have wild out on stage, hype up. I was like, like a, a like, like a DJ. A, yeah, hype man. You could just press play. Yeah, yeah. I was just, just press a bass drop and just wild out for the whole set. But I was cool. And then around later on, um, had a practice. Joel, the vocalist, couldn't, didn't show up. Yeah. Because um, I think it was work and some of that. So I also fun. I was like, yeah, let me do some vocals for the tracks. I was like, and it was like, Donny, you could do vocals. I could try. And then there's like, cool, you're doing backup vocals now. You're doing now. backups now. Yeah. They, they stick a microphone in your mouth. Yeah. Say, I was like, boom. And I was like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm stuck with more responsibility. Yeah. More shit. So Kawhi out on stage at Evo. And then I debuted the vocals for Stage and Cage. Nice. Well, I mean, you're always challenging yourself musically, which is all it's about. You know what I mean? I try and challenge myself musically and, and fail. But you know what? Sometimes if you're willing to pick yourself up after you fall back down, you'll always get better. And the fact that you're young and you're hungry and you're passionate about what you do, that you really can't have no complaints. Yeah. And I must give a massive um shout out to BTO, a mad props to BTO, because they really pushed me to get better at what, what I'm doing now. Like yeah. the screaming, the vocals. I was very crap at, but they pushed me and they know I could have do it. And look, I'm doing vocals with BTA now. And if it wasn't for BTO, I wouldn't be at the level I'm at vocally. Well, see, that's the thing. And it's funny because the other day, like, you posted on your Instagram of, like, some real brutal tracks. And I was like, oh, is that something real bad? And you're like, I practice in vocals. Yeah. And I think it's something that vocalists need to do in a very, very big way. Because I don't think, like, I've had this discussion on one of my past podcasts already in terms of quality front men. You, you need to put time just because you can show up to practice and you just have to sing a couple tracks doesn't necessarily mean that your practice only happens in your band room right yeah and the fact that you actually take you 
how do you practice your vocals? Well, mm-hmm. I think about it the same way I, I watch guitar. It is a, it is a non-instrument. It always have room for improvement. So that same video we're talking about that was practicing pitch screaming. That's like architects kind of vibe. So yeah, it's screaming, but you have a melody in your voice. And that's like a very loud technique. And it's take a lot to get 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 down. So with that same video, I was basically trying it out, layering and stuff, like two tracks left and right. And practicing with North Lane's song Paradigm, which is fairly new. And I I practiced that song day. Day and night, two o'clock in the morning, harassing my neighbors and family, screaming in the microphone and stuff like that. And eventually it took two weeks, but I got the technique down. It's not is not um perfect, but still do better. And I know the at least you start in the right yeah. direction, which is what's important. Same thing when you're learning a song on guitar. You slow it down, you start and you do it again and again and again and again and again and now practice. Practice. Yeah, after repetition you get to the point. Now other things that's going on in your life. I realize on the same Instagram day that you posted, you said that like for the past month you've changed things in your life and now things have gotten better. Let's tell the people of the internet what exactly have you done? Like explain that post. Well, basically, um I was in a severe depression since February and recently I I've come to terms from a lot of people. They told me because I wanted to lose weight for a while, but at the time it was for other people. Like, oh, you should lose weight and stuff like that. You should cut your hair. But uh, I came to the conclusion, that, like, if I want to do something, I want it to be for me. Yeah. So I started I started off July 18th. That was like two days before the Lynchpin um, 10-year anniversary show. I cut my hair because I wanted to. Because it, it was very, it was very, very stressful to deal with day in, day out. And my hair was like reaching my back and stuff like that. It was pretty long. Yeah, and it, it, it very it sucks when you're playing a gig and your hair get caught in the guitar strings. I and wouldn't it, know yeah. about that because yeah. I'm bald. In case you didn't know, spoiler alert, everybody, I am bald. So so that was a main concern too because my hair is get caught in my guitar strings a lot. I used to be that used to take a lot of effort to flip my hair back when you're playing live. So I was like, cool, I'm gonna cut it. I cut it short. And then shortly after that, I started a diet. It wasn't it wasn't too much, but it was like I cut down caffeine, soft drinks, not not completely, but slowly but surely. You started getting that shit out of your system. Yeah, because that I was very, I was too addicted to it. I started drinking more water and going to bed on time and eating properly the three meals a day because I was starving myself. I was eating like very unhealthy food like ramen and stuff like that. Yeah, fuck. Oh yeah, like time's very hard when you're a musician. So, I I mean I I understand fully like what it's like because I I recently too did something similar, but not in the sense of like that's cool, man. I have to I have to lose weight. Like I didn't think to me that it was like a priority in life. Right. But then I think it was like um sometime last year, like a major catalyst for me to do a lot of this stuff is really my wife. It's not really so much me, um because. If left to me, I would be a slob forever and just do nothing. But, you know, she pushes me to do music. She pushes me to do a lot of things. And one thing she really pushed me, I was like, you have to start eating properly. And, you know, I got into this whole, like, you know, cut carbs thing. And I shed a child and a half in the space of a couple of months. But one thing I have realized when you look at yourself in the mirror, when you've you've cut down and lost a lot of weight, one thing you realize is you start to feel better about yourself 
in a big way. Yeah. And I, it's uplifting mood. Yeah. And definitely, like, when it comes to things like your workflow and stuff like that, and you start focusing your energy in other things, you really begin to see the benefits. I'm sure since you start sleeping better and eating better, your creative flow in the band room has been a lot better. I would say that for sure, for sure, because normally when I have practice, I, I normally have back problems, I'm tired, not feeling it, but now, it, now these days I'm just feeling so energetic and you yeah have, yes, yes, you guys, have the energy yeah, for days yeah because after every show i play i have a very bad back pain and neck pain feeling like i don't want to get up the next morning after we played alias i was normal i got up normal eight o'clock nine o'clock in the morning even though we played three o'clock in the morning yeah and that basically I've, that's I, a rough freaking gig yeah. jesus christ <laughs> we will touch on that later but i felt normal after that gig because I, no matter what, I always put 100% to my performance. Yeah, I do too. Because people pay money to see your band, and you, as an entertainer, you have to deliver. Exactly. It's the same point. I always try to touch home. You see, you, you get it. I wish I, w- I wish at 18 I had my mind in that direction. Like People don't want to see you stand up on stage, like, looking around, like, yeah, you know, hmm, this is kind of cool, you know, guys playing on stage. Yeah. Now nah, they want to see you. You have to. My job when I'm on stage, right? Because we we just recently played a gig at um stages. Yeah. For Gary Festa, you yeah. know, you that band with um Narisha, you guys open. Yes. And that's another project you're in. Jesus Christ, how yeah. much things are you doing, man? I have a lot of projects, and uh, and I'm happy to say that project, which we don't have a name yet, so we're just calling it Narisha Kanban. I it was that has a, a nice it, ring yeah, to it. Yeah, it does. Uh, but it's a pleasure to work with such talented musicians like we have Avery on drums Jerome Gidari from yeah. Drawing Pop on bass solid bass is awesome Narisha Khan is amazing vocalist and Lentz on guitar was whatever <laughs> Lentz on hey, Lent, but, but Lentz was styling that night or Lentz was? is my boy so I, if I say bad that's out of love yeah no but again it was it was a short set so me and you we both left stage drifting sweat yeah you leave, you leave it all out there man yeah man like even though it was much people, I still give 100%. Because even though it was a free show, you are entertainer. You have to entertain. But man, it's a free show on the avenue. People driving by and watching yeah. what's going on. And slowing like, down man, and watching. Like, I was, like, deadass watching cars when I was playing. And legit, like, watching on people as they walked. They were like, hey, we out here. Yeah, we're playing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I come on, like, like, while I'm playing guitar and stuff like that. So, like, that was a cool experience. That was the first time I played, like, outside and stuff like that. Fun fact, huh? Fun fact. Remember you told me before the arm show, hey, watch your foot there. And you might switch off the amp. You know, at the end of a song, I switch off the amp by accident, was <laughs> My foot touched the surge protector. And I just realized everything going silent. I looked down, I looked down at the helix, helix closed. Midi baby, switch off. I was like, what the f*** just happened? I turned around and watched the firm, but still have power. The stupid surge protector that we put in front of the speaker, my foot ended up hitting. And thank God it was at the end of a song. I press it on. And of course, you know, the freaking Helix needs to boot up. Yeah. You need to load all that damn DSP. Horse. I just watched Jared. I was like, Jared, stall horse. Stall. stall it's stall, all part stall. of the show. All it's part all of the show. part of the show. Have you had any crazy gig moments? Like that oh, man. I have a lot. Share, share, share some lot. of your... Because you're 18. You're young. You're going to have plenty of them. Share some of some of your most fun gig experiences that you've had. Fun, you say. Well, well yeah. let's say fun. Let's say terrifying. How was your first show horse? 
Hey, my first show at BTA. Because you 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 young. Yeah, that yeah. was not. I don't remember my first show. I know I was scared shitless. But how was your first show? This my first just... show was actually like all right. Like my my tones wasn't all that good, but I still enjoyed it. Even though we played um four songs. That was two covers, two originals. Yeah. We played Carnival Corpse, Quadravine, and Suicide Silence, Disengage. Then we have two original songs. One them, one of them we we worked on still playing today. One of them in the back burner and just pick up, forget about. All right. And from for our first show, we played first. We got a lot of good response from everybody, and it took a while to to. Who did you guys play with? Um, we played with Cosmic Rebel. Let me see if I remember the bands off the top of my head. Absence of Eye. Um, uh, can't remember too too much. You remember the venue? Yes, I remember Skyview Lounge. That was um December sixteenth or seventeenth, two thousand sixteen. It's still, still a pretty recent show. That big show was. Yeah. And it took a while for us to get a gig after that because we were still working on our song. Because even though it was a good show, we still found we needed um to get tight and get better. So our next show wasn't like to like July next year. And that was in Skype. We launched again. That was with Get Trash. First Get Trash with Clavium. Okay. So um, that show was still aight. Karen helped me with my tone for that show. Because the back then it wasn't all that great, but we still worked with it. Yeah. So Karen helped me out like 20 minutes before we got on. It was like I was panicking, stuttering. I stutter a lot when I panic. So he helped me a lot with the tone before we got on stage. I was like, cool. And then we had a sample at the time for our intro, Deprived. So we was trying to get um, the DJ to play for the longest while. It took 10 minutes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Right? I was like, hey, play the sample. I'm there panicking on stage. Like, what's going on? I didn't find the sample stop. As that happened, everything went blank. Because it's like a whole different person. I uh, just wild out. You just got in that zone. Yeah. So you have two completely different people. You have, you have Donnie in the studio and then you have Donnie on stage. Yeah. And I will say another terrifying um stuff that happened live. It was recently. That was my birthday show this year, February 23rd. My birthday is on 22nd, but... We did on 23rd and Felicity out of all places. Yeah. So we catch some crab that day too. And so while we go about to go on, um, so I set up. I at the time I was using my Zoom P5N. Yeah. And I used the Ampli hard there. And so we cool set up everything going nice. And then the sound engineer, I won't name any names. He unplugged my pedal board to plug one of his like phone chargers or something like that. So my sound went went blank. No sound at all for the sec for the first song actually. I was like, what going on? So I I told everybody, wait, keep going, keep going. I'll figure this out. So wait, hold up, hold up. The sound man unplug your amp. Your zoom. Yeah. To charge your phone. Yes. You didn't drop kick him on the spot to us. No, because I didn't realize my Because the eighteen year old me would have do something stupid to it. I'm a very uh, I have a, I have a lot of patience. I'm, I realize. Yeah, so and so if you can sit so long on the podcast talking so much, you have plenty, you have plenty of patience, trust me. <laughs> so what what I did was the whole band kept playing. I was like, keep going, I'll I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. So I end up unplugging my zoom and stuff. I plug straight into the amp. Yeah. With, with my um with my pro distortion. Move. Yeah. Pro move right there, very so pro move. I I legit did an exact the right moment because at that point it was my guitar alone for build up. So it's like gen gen gen. Very so good. So that build up. 
I came, my tone came back for exactly for that part. And the energy kicked in from there. Because, like, it was like, shit, this. I gotta go and go out. My neck gonna hurt some more. I don't really care. Yeah, you had you to go with it. That's, you know, that's the thing that was built character. And those things you can't recreate in the band room. Because everybody sounds good in the band room. Yeah. You put them on stage and shit goes wrong. That's a real test. That is the real test. Man, you guys getting a real test these days, boy. Man, is a lot of tests because we have samples too. And I have to trigger them. And that's a... Recently, is it's been easier because I carry a uh, interface, my MacBook and stuff like that. Yeah. I trigger them like... Like normally, so well, the more you do things, the easier you'll yeah, get. You yeah. know what I mean? Have you guys ever thought about like playing to click and having all that We've stuff? We've talked about it. We've talked about it, but we didn't think it worked for us. Well, for the time being, you, you never know. Well, as of now, we just like playing off each other. Okay. If you if you really want to geek out on something, um, well, you just watch Glenn. So I know you're, you're probably familiar with Trey Xavier. Yeah, of course. Um, Trey has his mobile rig set up. And if you look in your mobile rig, they have um three HX stomps. Yeah. Doing all the tone. Now on the HX stomps, his entire set is programmed in a MIDI clock. So everything is to a click. Um changes it to the click. Everything comes on. So they just get on stage, plug in guitars, and press play. That's it. And because they're to a click, everything is automated. And you don't even worry have to worry about like pressing oh this patch change here. You could just Roam around stage. Well, the best thing is out. they're all wireless. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Everybody has a click in ears. They have their in-ear monitors, and you play it. That is that is crazy horse. And I think yeah, I could see your band being one of those bands to bring that kind of innovation to the Trinidad rock scene. Right. Because they have bands here that try to play with a click. They have those who don't. They have mm-hmm. those who bring in like they bring in triggered stuff. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work because then when the sample comes in, the band then speeds up and slows down. Yeah. But I mean, nothing wrong. It's That's very, very, very hard to do. But to have a unit doing it at your age so young where you guys are still learning and then have those fresh brains using that fresh technology. I mean, sky's the limit in terms of your stage show. And that is, I mean, I don't know if you think about it, but that's freaking crazy. Um, but other we talk about the in-air monitoring system for a while now, but we're looking to invest in it probably next year, because next year we're going to be touring and, and going out of Trinidad and doing more shows, because at that time we'll be doing the album. Yeah. So, but... So you guys want to leave Trinidad basically on tour for your first album? Yeah, so we're going to do like stuff probably, like, all right, I'll leave that disclosed for now, but it'll be big. I'll just say that. Big. So you're looking to hit some of these... Yeah. And some of the, that's sure. okay. And, and those of you who are listening at home probably didn't hear anything because it's all censored and because of um, I guess, legal reasons we can't say that now. But sure. just remember that you know these boys and them out there. Oh, we are out here. We are out there. That's cool, man. And I'm glad that you guys are always thinking bigger. So where would you like to see Beyond the Animus in about five years? Or so? Man, I would like to see Beyond the Animus touring and making this this dream a a, a reality. So playing shows night in, night out. So you want to be a full-time musician? Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I'm legit doing that right now. Because legit, Monday through Saturday, I'm doing music with my three bands. Mm-hmm. Sunday is my only off day. Well, I catch you on a Friday night, which is pretty crazy in itself. You're very lucky, to, to be honest. I I am very lucky. You know, I was traffic. I had to get to get all the way down here, horse. 
It took me. It took me an hour to reach down there. Just saying, that I'm kind of disappointed because you promised Mountain Dew, and it didn't. I know. Up. I didn't bring the Mountain Dew. I forgot the Mountain Dew. But then again, you're on a diet horse. Yeah, but but I said today was my cheat day. Nah, you said Monday's your cheat day, horse, and today's not Monday. I re- I don't recall that. Fair enough, but that's okay. I want a Fanta. I can't get a Fanta. Sometimes that's just how it is. Go. Life just hard. Life just hard. And plus, they, if they had, I didn't know which mountain. I'll go make it up to you. I'll go bring a dry mountain to fear. But you have to know what day it is. Is oh. it cheat day? And I'll bring it. Because no, I know how hard it is to stay on a freaking diet horse. I always be passing the doubles, man, all the time. And that temptation is be calling me. And I always lose that battle five times out of ten. Eh? It's tough. It's tough. I just don't leave my house. You just don't leave your I house. I don't leave my house. Well, yeah, when you stay in a controlled environment, like, I guess anything is possible. You know what I mean? So you want to be a big band, so you're looking to do the walking circuit and stuff like that as well, or we're we're talking about it, but there's no um, it's not finalized, and it's not. Will when we're when I don't know what to say. You guys will know when we know. When you Let's know when we know, you can't predict the future. You know, you know. I understand fully. As for the in-air system and stuff like that, I can tell you right now is a word of advice. They're nice, but the problem is when you have that isolated sound in your ear, it doesn't sound as good as when you have the amp around you, if you understand what I see. I understand. And also, if you're touring and you're putting... I mean, if you're doing a touring rig, it's essential because you're going to put your hand in like a sound man's hand all the time. Yeah. And that's kind of rough. But, you know, the sky is the limit. Take your money and invest it properly. That's all I could really tell you. Yeah, man, because... Um... But for the samples, um, how we, we got accustomed to it, playing it, because have some of them that are tempo-based. Yeah. We, in practice, practice with the same sample over and over, even though it's like an interlude for the set. We still practice so it over practice and over. So you practice your live set yeah. in the band room, which yes. is probably the smarter way to, so you don't just waste time jamming. Yeah. So, so we don't just now, we'll skip the sample, we'll go with it because we had to play it live. So how do you come about the workflow for writing songs for BTA then? Um, Basically, it, it starts... From like some, something as simple as a guitar riff, a synth, or a drum beat. And you just build from there? Build from there. Do you build it together, or does like one person bring an idea? Do you do like collaborative writing? Or? Well, how was it begin? I used to write everything, but as of recently, I, I, I liked how the material sounded when all, all of us collaborated. So why do I send a riff? I do like a repetition of like a verse chorus. I'll be like a minute, and then if the guys like it, we'll work on it in the band room. And then we'll come up with a track. That's it. And that's how come you guys can crank out so much music so yeah. quickly. It's and that's, freaking crazy. And host. that's how Rest came about. I came with a, with a very brutal riff in F sharp. And the guys liked it. It was very heavy. So we worked in it in the practice room. We had some in-between parts that didn't work out. But over time, we got a good, a, a very good, decent song. We liked it. It was very brutal. And now it's out there. It's out there. That's pretty much it. Well, Donnie, I'd love to sit down and talk to you all night, but it's Friday and I have work in the morning. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. I know these guys always talk about, you know, they have these, you know, people who go to rock shows and they just wear a generic t-shirt from a rock band. I notice you are wearing a Kiss Destroyer t-shirt. Now, Donnie, could you name two Kiss albums? Damn, man. Um, Kiss, Kiss albums. Wow. Could you name one Kiss album? I think I could. I've seen Kiss Live, by the way. Great freaking live show. Lick it up. Lick it up, lick it up, yeah. Yeah, now here's 
He has a good question. What was so special about the Lickitup album? Oh, um, they didn't wear makeup. Very good. You did a great job. You, sir, have just won three tickets to not see Kiss anytime <laughs> soon. I hope I hope that, that involves Mountain Dew. Uh, yeah, you win a Mountain Dew. Can you name another Kiss song? Uh, I could. I could. Um, Let's see. You put me on the spot, so it's very hard yeah, to say. Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot, man. Everybody wearing a Kiss t-shirt. I was made for loving you. Very good choice. I was hoping you would say some of the classics like Love Gun. You know, I love Love Gun. That's, like, that's a good song, too. Detroit Rock City. Strata. For, for me, for me, that, that that song in particular was just, that was my childhood. I knew that song ever since, and it didn't get old. Yeah. Kiss, Kiss really does put on a Dread Live show, and people can learn a lot about Kiss, because Kiss 2, example, Lick It Up, where they took their makeup off, it was like, we don't want to be glam anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, people still loved yeah. it. It was rock and roll, but then people couldn't deal with the image, so then they went right back to it. You know what I mean? And if there's somebody you can learn a lot of stuff from, even though he's kind of an asshole at Gene times, Simmons. it's Gene Simmons. Yeah. You know, um, I think Donnie talking to you now is really a good positive outlook for the future of rock music in Trinidad and Tobago. And I think if we have more musicians like you coming up, then we're in really, really good hands. And I'm kind of jealous. I'm not your age to be part of it and mashing up shows with you in the future, man. So now the floor is yours. Please tell the people on Only General where the hell we can find you on the internet, horse. Oh, uh, well, you can find me on Instagram, Donnie M. Batu. Facebook, Donnie Batu. My bands, Beyond the Animus on Instagram, Bound to Oblivion, Instagram and Facebook, everywhere. Just search our names. We are everywhere. Spotify, Facebook, Instagram. We are all, we are on all major platforms, so it'll be easier to find us. And make sure and check out their new EP that just launched on September 14th, which is called the... The Fallacy of Sickness. Oh, come on. Say it a little more metal than that now. The Fallacy of Sickness EP. But it's, sep- it's September 13th, by the way. September 13th, 14th. I don't know. You September. Know? We just say September. September. It, all that matters is when people listen to this now, it's done already out. And it's free. So and it, it's damn free. I have another thing to say. Because, because we delayed our EP, we are going to release a demo of a song from the album, which involves the soca beats and stuff like that. In a couple of days from what what is today's date? Today will probably be the third Wednesday in September. Okay, your freaking calendar yeah. it says December horse. My calendar okay, from two seventy hundred. So um, Tracy, in a couple of days. What, what day are we looking to launch this? Give me a date, Dana. See, she, this is this is the part of the podcast where she enters. Alright, today is September 6th. Today is September 6th, so, so we're probably going to be launching this on the... Sorry? Week after. September September 18th is when this is going to come okay, out. Okay, for sure. So we'll have the demo track from the album and the EP out by that time. Okay, so hey, here's what, you know, we'll talk about it and have it launch at the same time. Hmm. Have you talk people talk to my people? We'll talk. We'll talk, Tracy. Talk to Donnie now. <laughs> All right, everybody. That was it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Just make sure and check us out. Check out some of the past episodes if you get a chance. Johnny, thanks a lot for being here with us. I wish you all the best for the future i hope you guys have plenty of shows coming up i hope we can do a show together for sure thanks who, for having me man who knows what the future is going to hold it's an eye of the beholder that's, a, that's, a, that's a metallica song that's a great metallica song by the way <laughs> all right everybody hope you enjoyed this we'll talk soon again friends say bye-bye donnie bye we out here
We out here. Whoa, you're still here. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to learn more about the genre of heavy metal, I suggest you read Sound of the Beast, the complete headbanging history of heavy metal by Ian Christie. It's a great introduction to the first 30 years of heavy metal. Check it out. I've read it. I always recommend it to all my music friends because it's a good gateway drug to get you into the genre and really appreciate the stuff that makes it tick. If you have a friend or a loved one who's looking for a gift, this is a good one to pick up. The Amazon link will be provided in the show notes on anchor.fm slash only general. Thanks a lot for listening. Catch you next time.